Welcome back to Talking Talmud. I want to be host here, Dana Osman, here with my friend Chabruta and Gordon. Our daf today, Masachat Sota, daf Chav Aleph, page 21. So there's a lot of stuff to discuss on this daf. And the beginning of the daf wants to talk about what zechut, what merit could the Sota have that she would not be punished right away. That sort of the punishment of drinking the water would actually be delayed. Um, and so the Gemara, you know, basically quotes uh, that part of the Mishnah, right, that she could have a merit that would basically, you know, hold that punishment uh, or put it off for at least three years. And so the Gemara says, what merit would a, would a Sota have that for three years she wouldn't be punished? Should you say that it's the merit of Torah, of Torah study? Well, that doesn't make sense because if she studies Torah, it's somebody who studies it without being commanded to do it. And so, yeah, there's some zechut, there's some merit in it, but she really, you know, what merit is there really in there? Now, I think we should just use this as a, you know, sort of an opportunity just to talk about where do we get this idea that women are not obligated in Torah study, right? And so some of the sources will quote Devarim, chapter 11, verse 19, right, where it talks about teaching your sons, right? And the idea is because it says Bincha, it doesn't say your daughters, okay, that maybe therefore you should not actually, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't need to teach your, your daughters. Um, you know, we could, I don't know, and you and I could do separate podcasts just about this particular thing. But that's the oh, idea yeah. that's basically here. Okay. Um, and Ella Zuchut to Mitzvah. So rather, we have to say it has to be the merit of doing a mitzvah. Okay. Zuchut to Mitzvah, mi megana kulehai. So then it wants to ask does the merit of a mitzvah protect you? The Hatanya. And so they taught in a brisa. Et zo do reish rabbi Menachem bar Yossi. This is what Menachem bar Yossi explains. So he quotes this pasuk from Mishlei chapter 6, verse 23, which says, For mitzvah is a lamp and Torah is a light. Right? The Torah, the, the, the pasuk, describes, links mitzvah to a lamp. to a lamp. And Torah is connected to a light. Mitzvah being connected to a lamp. Is to tell you. Just as the lamp protects only temporarily, so mitzvah it only protects like when it's there. In other words, the li- the light of a lamp is only useful while the lamp is lit. So that's the same thing with a mitzvah. It's only useful. It only protects you while you're you know with that mitzvah. That's Torah, or linking Torah to light. tells you ma or just as light protects forever. Right now, what does that mean exactly? But in other words, if you have sort of like a light that's coming from, let's say, the sun or, you know, not a light that's sort of like you have the light to have there. okay? sort of this other type of supernatural, the light from the stars, things like that that don't go out. Right. They can't be extinguished is the idea. So Torah also protects you forever. The Omer. And now they're going to quote another Pesuk. Right. Uh, Well, sorry, they're going to. Uh, it's the the previous pasuk here uh, in 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 uh, in Mishlei, right? It says tanicha utcha, where it says when you walk, it will guide you, right? So the idea is this is the previous pasuk in Mishlei, chapter six, this is verse twenty two, that's saying you know so the Bryce is not going to explain this, okay? 
right? This is where we'll walk and we'll guide you. This is this world. When you lay down, it will watch over you. Zomita, that's in death. Right? So that is when you wake up, it will advocate for you. So this refers to Olam Haba. And so now they're going to give an analogy to this. So this is like a person who's walking in the black and night of darkness. And he was afraid of like thorns and crevices and thistles. And of also being attacked by wild animals and abandoned. And he doesn't know even which road he's walking. So in other words, there's multiple things he's scared of, right? He's scared of literally that there might be something dangerous on the path. He's scared of things that could come and attack him from the outside. And he's just not even sure is he taking the correct road, right? The correct road. Um, vein, uh, right, vein o yodeh, uh, sorry here, he doesn't know which road he's walking on. Uh, sorry, so I skipped here. Um, just lost my place for a second here. So if he gets a torch of fire that comes his way, so then he's saved from the thorns and crevices and thistles, right? He can see immediately in front of him. But he's still afraid of the wild animals and the bandits who just roam around at night. And he still doesn't know where he's going. Once the light of dawn rises, right? Then he's safe from wild animals and, and bandits because they don't, they're only around at night. They don't come out during the day. But but he still doesn't know what road he's walking on. But when he arrives to a crossroads, Nitsalmikulam then he is saved from uh, all of them. So the idea here is also is that when a person is basically, you know, in the world, right, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the mitzvot that we do, those are like the torches, right? They light your way. They, they, they help you for some of the dangers in the world. The Torah is like, uh, you know, is like the light of the day, right, which is going to protect you more from, you know, sin altogether. And then finally, you know, with your death, right? Then you know what your direction basically is, and that's the idea of what this, of what this Mashal is saying, and relating it back to that pasuk from Mishlei, uh, chapter six, verse twenty-two. Davar Cher, another explanation: Avera mechada mitzvah, right? A, a transgression, a sin, uh, you know, sort of extinguishes any reward that you would get from a mitzvah. but a transgression. Does an Avera, sin, doesn't extinguish the reward you get of Torah study. Shinamar, and here they quote a different pasuk. Uh, this is uh, from Shir Hashirim, chapter 8, verse 7, that says, Right? Many waters cannot extinguish love. Here the idea is love is actually Torah. So the point is, is that from this very, very, very long brisa, the question about Sota is, okay, this seems to say that mitzvah is not, doesn't protect you as much as Torah. So what, you know, what merit, what zuchut could the sota have that would protect her? And so the Gemara answers, Amar Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef said, mitzvah, it is a mitzvah. When someone is involved with a mitzvah, right? Then at that time, it, it, matzila, it protects you from punishment, but it's only at the time you do the mitzvah. But when you're not doing the mitzvah, 
it protects you from punishment, but it doesn't save you from actually sinning. Torah, but Torah study, whether you're actually active in Torah study or not at the moment, you always get saved from punishment and it also saves you from sinning. So what Rav Yosef is basically saying is, right, the sota could be protected from immediately just by having done some mitzvah that she did um, in the past. Now the Gemara is going to uh, question this, right? Rabba uh, doesn't like this. And he says, Mati love for Rabbah, Ella Meata. Could you say that a Torah study always protects a person? Uh, so I love when the Gemara does this, where they bring sort of like an example from Tanakh. So, um, and so the, the example that they bring here is Doag and Achitofel. So Doag was an, was an advisor to Shaul, um, and, uh, you know, who, who basically you know, spoke very poorly of David to him um, and eventually brings about the destruction. Uh, you know, he speaks poorly to Shaul about David and then he, that basically leads Shaul to go to the city of Nob and he kills all of these Kohanim. And Achitofel was, uh, was an advisor to David, to David HaMelech, um, and he basically deserts David HaMelech uh, in favor of Absalom of his son. Now, the premise of this Gemara is, is like, of course, they study Torah, and yet they study Torah, and they did they, they it like it didn't protect them. Like they eventually they make a whole mess, and 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 they get killed because of what they did. So then, why didn't it protect them from sinning? Right? They did something bad, and so the Gemara basically says here, Ella uh, Amarava. Rather, what Rava says is Torah, right? Torah study, but at the time when one is involved in it, Magina Matila protects you. From right, you don't get punished. It protects you. It saves you from sinning. But when you're not involved in it anymore, it protects you from punishment, but it doesn't save you from sinning. Mitzvah, right? The case of a mitzvah, right? Whether you're involved with it or whether you're not involved with it anymore, it protects you from punishment, but it doesn't save you from sinning. So in a way, the Gemara sort of reverses everything that it was saying. And while it was building a case up until now that Torah is sort of bigger than mitzvah, right? Ultimately, Rabbi Kahn says, no, but the reward you get for having done a mitzvah, that always stays with you. Yes, you may sin again because you're not actively involved in doing that mitzvah in that moment. But once you've earned that reward, you've always earned that reward. And presumably the Sota earned some sort of reward. And that's why it would be, you know, that's why it would be, uh, that's why it would be uh, posted. Um, so, you know, a very, very interesting, I think this is an interesting text because I think one of the things that we see that I think the Chachamim, that Chazal sort of struggle with is what is more important? Is it action or is it study? And we're going to see this thing continues throughout this stop and the next stop. It's going to talk a lot about fake piety, about the role of Tamidei Chachamim, but this is sort of, to me, a very interesting Gemara text, which really is sort of trying to tease that out. Which is better? What's the role of Torah study? What is the role of doing mitzvot? And how does that impact our spiritual growth and our development and our future as well? Which, by the way, is fascinating that it's here in Masachet Sota, right? Meaning, I understand why it's here. It's particularly here because of the context of Talmud Torah and the position of Ben Azai in the Mishnah. But 
but the the discussion goes much farther afield than that kind of detail of how to protect yourself, how a woman can protect herself in the context of the trial of the ordeal, right? And now this is like a a big philosophical statement, you know, in a very powerful kind of way. I find it interesting that it's here because it, it, I feel like it's very, it's much more definite. Like it's raising a question, but the, but the positive side of it is so definite. And here we've been in this shady territory of Sota, which is less positive, as we've said. Well, I think part of why the Gemara is going to get into what it does over the next few pages about like sort of questioning people's piety and motivation is like, that's ultimately what Sota is. Like Sota in a way, and again, this may be a very modern read of it, is like, uh, it's a breakdown of of trusting the person that you're supposed to trust the most, right? And so I think that's why they're getting into a lot of debates in this particular Masachet about sort of like what makes one a religious person, a spiritual person, or emphasis be a spiritual people, because the Sota is the exact opposite of that. That's like when anything you thought about a person has totally broken down. There's just so much suspicion around this marriage, around this relationship, around what that woman's doing with the person the husband, you know, forbade her to be with. And so I think that's why some of these questions of, of character are coming up in this particular masacha. Yes, agreed. And and I think it's, you know, to the good. I think I think that it rounds out the masacha in a in a very uh, I don't know. I, I think it's a positive way. I know that, you know, some aspects of Sota are very distasteful as we've discussed and, and as we know, um, but I think that the the Masachet itself is richer than just the case of the Sota itself. I want, uh, of herself. I want to go on here from Ahmed Bet. We have commentary on the Mishnah specifically about Benazai's position, meaning now it's explicit. Omer Benazai Chayav Adam Lamed et Vechulei, meaning that's the citation from the Mishnah, and it goes on to say, Rebelez Romer, Kol Amalamed Apito Torah, Malam That's the quote. This machloket, this debate between Benazai and Rebelezer, basically saying, like, should a man teach his daughter Torah, or should he not? Or, you know, is he doing something negative if he were to do so? Tiflut, salkadatach. And the Gemara says, really? You're going to say that you're teaching your daughter promiscuity in teaching Torah? And I feel like the incredulity here of the Gemara is exactly right. Meaning, Rebelezer, what are you saying that the to- the words of the Torah could ever be turned into tiflut. Ella ema ki'ilu limda tiflut. So the resolution of the Gemara is perhaps not as strong as we might like. It's not that you're really teaching her promiscuity. It's it's as if he taught her promiscuity, right? Meaning it doesn't it doesn't follow through on that. You know, clearly he's not really you know selling her out, so to speak. But as if, well, what's the as if? As if because he's giving her pointers as to how to navigate around the rules of of adultery okay i you know i think that benazai's position here is the time of chazal for a reason my so rabbi abao says what is rabbi lezer's reason so he cites a verse from mishle that says i wisdom meaning it's a personification of the attribute of wisdom that it dwelled in cunning, that there's some trickery going on, that wisdom comes together with a with a trickery type of, of thinking. Kevan, she nechnesa chokhmah ba'adam, nechnesa imo ar 
that the same way that a person, you know, achieves a measure of wisdom, at the same time, they also achieve a measure of cunningness and the or cunning. And therefore, the concern is, seems to be, right, that as this woman learns Torah, then she will learn cunning and then she will use that wisdom to be tricky in her engagement in promiscuous behavior. Of course, one might suggest that one who time and energies to learning Torah would actually aim for a higher layer of of living and a more pious approach, but nobody seems to be concerned about that, at least not yet. Meaning, you talked about that, Yordina, but not in this discussion. Rabbanan hai ani chokma. And so what about the rabbis? What are they going to do with this verse from Mishlei? Right? What's how are they going to address this potential problem of the of the trickery? Rabbanan hai ani chokma, my avdile, what do they do with that verse? Mi baile lekidzeribiosi beribichanina. The ama ribiosi beribichanina, ain't the great Torah mitkaimin elabimishema mid atmo arum alehem. The Gemara, it's such a beautiful answer. The Gemara says, Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Hanina says that when it says orma, right, you have to read it not as trickery, but as naked, as bare, right? As, and I would say perhaps in our modern vernacular, we'd call this vulnerable. That the Torah, the words of Torah, are, do not take hold. They do not last, except with one who stands, as I say, naked, or as I say, vulnerable before them. So the person who's saying that the, I wisdom, right? Meaning this personification of wisdom dwell with not trickery, but with nakedness, meaning with a vulnerability that it puts a person willing to dedicate oneself to Torah, which is exactly what I would like to see here. Thank you very much, Kamar, right? So Rabbi Yochanan says a different way of understanding this is that the, to- the words of Torah do not endure, they do not take hold, except for one who considers himself as if he doesn't exist, meaning one who can efface one's own, I guess, sense sense of ego, sense of self, in the face of what Torah demands of a person. Because we have a verse in Eov that says, wisdom can be found in nothingness, this idea that a person who's really dedicated to Torah, as they achieve wisdom, will understand just how lowly they are, and kind of reduce themselves in the face of the the obligations and the, I guess, the priorities of Torah. Fine. I'm going to skip a drop here um, in terms of it's the Gemara addresses the the question of um, the degree to which a woman had desire. We saw this about the food versus the sexuality and vice versa. We're not going to read that right now, but I do want to go on to a position from Rabbi Yoshua. So he would take this phrase, and we saw it already, right? This phrase of a, um, a chassid shoteh is somebody who is pious in a, in a foolish kind of way. Someone who goes to the nth degree in a way that turns out to be ridiculous, right? And he sees this, meaning Rabbi Yoshua says, a foolish man of piety, You let's put that together with, remember the other list, right? The rest of the list, which included somebody who is wicked and conniving and somebody, a woman who is a prusha, who is abstinent, and those who kind of hurt themselves because they're being fake in their abstinence, all of these people, right, they all erode the world, we said. So what is the case of a, of a righteous, a pious fool, a foolish, pious person? Where it's an example of a woman, of a, a woman is swimming in the, in the river, and she's drowning. 
And the man sees her drowning in the river. And he says, I cannot look at her. Oh my goodness, she's in the river. She's bathing. She's naked. She's not fully, she's not sanua. She's not modestly dressed. I cannot look at her and therefore he cannot save her. So therefore she will drown because he is a chasid shoteh. Meaning this is misplaced piety par excellence. And the Gemara goes on, right, with each of these cases to say, you know, who is the Rasha Arum? Who is the conniving wicked person? And so on. And who is the Prusha? Right? It's going to take us into the next daf. Um, but I, I couldn't leave that Chassid Shoteh alone because I feel like we live in an era where of hypermodesty and extreme positions where sometimes people can focus on you know, the, the picayune de- details of halacha that might actually matter when all other things are equal, but then there comes a set of a circumstance where we say, no, that's a shoteh, that's foolishness. You're going to, you're, you're focusing on the, the wrong thing in a way that you are presenting yourself as if you're pious, but really you're undermining the entire enterprise. And this is, as I say, this is the example that I think drives that home. Yeah, I mean, and I'm going to like out you a little bit here. I hope everyone who like listens to our podcast knows, you know, that Anne founded an organization called Chokmat Nashim <laughs> that has taken on Co-found- this issue of, you know, go look them up. But this particular issue of, you know, now having uh, ads or advertisements for women's clinics where you're not showing women's faces at all. So, yeah, we're talking. If about only that were the worst we saw. That's but yes, you, exactly. You're right. So, you know, I think this, you read this Gemara and it's, you know, it's basically saying you can take this to also another extreme level. And again, I think there's, I think this little passage is very deliberately placed in Masachat Sota as well. Oh, I think so. Because it's exactly, I mean, this, I think, is a potential rebuke to the overzealous husband also, right? Meaning, if you really are having marital difficulties and there really is a potential for an affair, there are ways to address that. What is really happening that you're you're going to haul your wife before the Kohen, you know, make sure that this is not a foolish, pious enterprise. Make sure that it's real. Well, that's our top discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about the stop on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.